This section in the book of James asks a very fundamental and important question, a very penetrating question. Who among you is wise and understanding? Answer, let him show it by his good behavior and his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. How we need wisdom. Wisdom is really the application of knowledge, but it's so much more. And we need to grow in wisdom. And God will help us through his word as we explore James 3 today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Oftentimes in the place of the redeemed community where there should be humility and love and all those things that we would celebrate as the body of Christ, we find sometimes that people are jockeying for positions, gossiping, selfishly ambitious to the uh, destruction of others. And sadly, James has to address this because this was going on. People were bitter towards one another. They had selfish ambition and it was pushing them forward and they were stepping on one another. They were bitter towards each other. Picross is the word for bitter. It has the basic meaning of pointed, sharp, prickly, or even pungent. Maybe you know somebody, you work with somebody who's just a bitter person. It's hard to be around a person like that. Because when they're bitter at everything, their bitterness ends up, the prickly stuff ends up hitting into you. It just stinks. And that's really the Greek word. It's pungent. And this was going on. There was bitter jealousy or literally harsh zeal. Bitterness cuts both ways. It will likely hurt the object it is directed at, but it will always cut you up and eat you up as well. Are you a bitter person? Maybe you have reasons, you know. Maybe you've been hurt on multiple occasions. Understandable. But that bitterness is just going to hurt you and others around you. And so it cuts both ways. It's not bad to be zealous about something, but when your zeal turns into partisanship, which is kind of what this Greek word is getting at, selfish ambition uh, is a word that was used for partisan zeal of factional, greedy politicians. I'm so sick of it, I can't even tell you. The ads that play, you know, prior to an election and you know, the, the negative ads that are run against this person, you know, there's a positive ad and, you know, the person has to come on the television, I am so-and-so and I approve this ad. And then the, their, their person that running against them, you know, it's a dark picture. Usually they have a funny face, you know. <laughs> so-and-so was an evil politician. You won't believe what he did, but he was taking kickback from... And you're like, oh, wow, that person. Wow. And they're effective ads. And they're meant to do one thing. They're meant to really slam and, and paint somebody a certain way. And then the bright, shiny picture of the politician who wants to win, who did that terrible ad against that person, comes on in shining, glowing... Vote for, and you know that over here is as dirty as the other person. And, you know, then you hear about money that's 
sent over here so this person can win so that the other person can be in a better position and you're like, oh my goodness, this is just... It, it can be an ugly world, man. Really ugly. This attitude is really, I'm going to push myself to the top no matter what it takes. No matter what I have to say, what I have to do, nothing is going to stop me. I will do whatever it takes. The story is told of two men who lived in a certain city. One was envious and the other covetous. The ruler of the city sent for them and said he wanted to grant them one wish each with this stipulation, that the one who chose first would get exactly what he asked for, while the other man would get exactly twice what the first had asked for himself. The envious man was ordered to choose first, but immediately found himself in a quandary. He wanted to choose something great for himself, but realized that if he did so, the other man would get twice as much, and Mr. Envious could not handle that. So he thought for a while, and then he asked that one of his eyes be plucked out. You'll get that in a moment. Because the other guy would get twice as much. And so by, you take one of my eyes, because then he'll lose two. <laughs> what? But you still lost one. Yeah, but he lost two. <laughs> yeah, but you lost one. And there are people who wake up every morning in our world, and that's how they operate. And it's sad. And James, as he addresses the church, says, Brethren, this wisdom, verse 15, this kind of wisdom that I just talked about is not that which comes down from heaven or comes down from above. That kind of wisdom is earthly, natural, and de demonic. Bible students, just write down, it's the world, earthly, the flesh, natural, the devil, demonic. See, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And one of the great gifts that he gives to his people is wisdom. But the wisdom James just talked about is not of God. That's not God's way. That wisdom, if you live in that world, if that's you, it's earthly, it's natural, it's the opposite of spiritual, and it's even demonic. This is the business of Satan. To get people to destroy one another in their home, in their church, in their business, in their friendships. This is what he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. There are doctrines of demons. There are teachings that flow down from the pit. They flow up, if you will. There are those who hold to a form of godliness, but they've denied its power. Avoid such men as these. It's like Peter, when he gave that great confession and then he spoke that Jesus should not go to the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're not interested in God's interest, but what? Man's. That's worldly wisdom. That's philosophy that can take you captive because it can promise something now. Here you go. Here's your pot of gold. But what, what is it going to cost you to get there? If you get there the right way, you'll be content. And you'll have harmony. And so Satan's self-interest 
Back in the book of Isaiah, I will, I will, I will, I will, is what sent him falling from heaven to earth. All-consuming pride took a beautiful, likely archangel and made him the epitome of evil. He ruined himself. And now all he can do is attempt to take others down with him. And if one is not careful, that's what we can do as well. There are people who have gotten to a point in their life that's, that's all they're about. Who can I take down next? For where jealousy, 16, and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Notice, jealousy and selfish ambition are at the heart of the verse, and the fruit of what happens here is disorder. Interesting Greek word. It speaks of instability. It speaks of disturbance, confusion, tumult, disarray, revolution, anarchy, chaos. Satan is the king of chaos. He loves it. He loves when life is chaotic, when people don't understand anything about what it means to rest, to have the, the idea of uh, Shabbat in their heart, not as a legal thing, but as resting in Jesus and having some time with family and, and slowing down a little bit. He loves the chaotic pace where he can just keep you so distracted you can't even think about eternity. You can't think about transcendence. You can't think about what really matters. And so here is the confusion. Conflicts, crimes, battles, wars of the world. They're all evidence of this human wisdom. What's at, the, what's at the heart of war? What's it about? I want that land. I want that power. I don't like the fact that they have that over there. I want that. Wars, which quarrels, we'll talk about in James 4, if you decide to come back. <laughs> Some of you are saying, man, the book of James, ouch. Yeah, I know. But it's only five chapters. You'll be all right. <laughs> so it leads into chapter four where there's quarrels and conflicts. And what's at the heart of it? Oh, it's, it's lust. It's ambition, but all the wrong ambition. It's not wrong to be ambitious, but do it for the right reasons and for, with the right end in mind. Now, you need a respite from the negative. Here's the positive. But, verse 17, the wisdom from above, that is heaven's wisdom, is, uh, you could say there's seven things here because one of them is combined. The wisdom from above is first pure. Many uh, commentators believe purity is kind of the trunk of the tree and then everything flows from that because it's connected to holiness. The wisdom from above, from heaven, is first pure. Then it's peaceable. This is what a wise person looks like. So everybody just kind of think for a second. James is now going to tell you what a wise life looks like. Okay, this is, this is kind of, if you need, if you're a bullet point person and you need seven things to kind of look at, here it is. If you're a wise person, the wisdom from above is purity. It's peaceable, peace loving. It's gentle. That's an idea of considerate. It's reasonable. It's a reasonable person. It's full of mercy and good fruits. That could be taken as a combination. It's unwavering or impartial. And it is sincere or it is without hypocrisy. Seven things of a wise life. Let me give just some quick definitions of these seven words. 
Hagnos Pure carries the idea of being free from Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you, we appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Of a wise life. Let me give just some quick definitions of these seven words. Hagnos pure carries the idea of being free from contamination or defilement. Daniel in Daniel 1 said he had, he had purposed in his heart not to defile himself at the king's table. He had made a decision. He had purposed in his heart to be pure. Have you? If purity is indeed the trunk of the tree from which these other fruits of wisdom flow, then you have to make a commitment to be pure, which is another word for holiness. And in our world, we know what's beaten at that. Everything, right? To guard your eyes and your heart. This refers to spiritual integrity and moral purity and sincerity. It's a word that's connected to holiness. And so pure wisdom is holy wisdom. It's a holy life. It's being set apart unto God for what he desires of you. Second, the second fruit of wisdom is peaceable. This is a peace-loving or a peaceful person. According to uh, Old Testament wisdom in Proverbs 3.17, wisdom produces peace. This is a person full of shalom, That's the Hebrew word for peace, full of well-being. This is a peacemaker. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. This is a person who doesn't stir the pot. A person who has so much of the shalom of the Spirit that they spread peace to others. They calm people down. It'll be all right. Calm down. We're good. We'll be okay, right? If you have a person in your life like that, thank God for that person. An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Proverbs 28, 25, and 26. So far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Romans 12, 18. Sometimes some people don't want to be at peace with you. But as much as it depends on you, we're to be a person of peace. The third sweet fruit of godly wisdom is gentleness. It's a Greek word that means a person who's equitable, seemly, fitting, fair, moderate, forbearing, courteous, and considerate. This person will go out of their way by God's grace to be charitable even when wronged. They are an equitable person. 
They are a fair-minded person. Fourth fruit of godly wisdom is they are reasonable or reasonableness. Matthew Arnold calls it sweet reasonableness. This is a person who's willing to yield. They will give deference to others, not on moral principles or theological essentials, but they are not into rancor or disputing. They are teachable, compliant, not stubborn. The NIV actually has it as they are submissive. It's used of a man who willingly submitted to, a, to military discipline, <clears throat> accepting and complying with whatever was demanded of him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The fifth fruit of godly wisdom is a person who's full of mercy rather than full of bitterness. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Matthew 5, 7. Do you know someone who is full of mercy? Someone who is compassionate? Someone who, even in the face of the worst of the worst, can find a way to find compassion and mercy? Jesus says that's, that's what God desires is mercy and compassion. That's something that biblical wisdom carries out. It's compassion in action. The sixth fruit, which is part of the fifth, is they're full of good fruits. They have a bounty or basket full of fruits. That is, everywhere you look, there are people that have been touched by their life and their wisdom. There's a whole basket of people who have benefited from their godly wisdom. And then finally, this wise person, the fruits of the wise, they're unwavering. The Greek word is used only here in the New Testament. It means a person who's not parted or divided. It's a person without uncertainty or inconsistency. It's a person who doesn't vacillate or is not filled with doubtfulness. The NIV has it as a person impartial. They are, they are not a vacillator. They're consistent. They don't change their stance depending on the company or the crowd or the conditions or which way the moral winds blow. The New English Bible says they are straightforward. They, they, what you see is what you get, and what you get is pretty good. And finally, it's without hypocrisy. It's a person who's sincere. There's no wax, no mask. It's genuine, Mayer says, without pretense. Jesus condemned the Pharisees for being hypocrites. But when you are a person of wisdom, you are genuine. The last verse. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. NIV says, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So here's the last image. Back to an agrarian culture. And the, the way the verse lays out here is a little difficult in the original language. Some people think it was a standalone kind of proverb. But here's the idea. It's got the idea of sowing seed. And every day we sow seeds, right? With our mouth, with our faith, with our religion, and with our wisdom. And we, we have a chance to throw out seed into the soil. And there it goes. So Monday through Friday, here's what we're doing. We're throwing it out. And if it's seeds of peace and seeds of righteousness, it produces what does seed produce? It goes into the ground and produces what? A crop. And so James' last image in a challenging section is this. He says, look, if you're a peacemaker and you sow in peace, or if you, uh, 
cast seeds of peace around, the harvest is going to be righteousness. The harvest is going to be blessing. You sow the right kind of seed, you get the right kind of crop. Amen? That's what we're talking about. And the question that should be asked by any student of Scripture, including moi, is this. What kind of seeds do I throw out regularly? Are they edifying? Are they peace-loving? Are they righteousness? Are they wisdom? Are they holy? Are they equitable? Are they sincere? This is what James is asking you and me to look at. What kind of seeds are you throwing out Because the seeds you throw out will determine the harvest. There's a one-to-one correspondence. It's called sowing and reaping. For whatever a man sows to, that he will also reap. And so Paul says, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow to, you'll reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life. And so this is the wisdom of Scripture. And we need it. We need to hear it. And then we need to apply it. The question at the end of the message would be, what's your yield And so as you sow well, you will have an abundant harvest. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's uh, it's deep and strong. It really makes us think about how we're living. And that was its intention. We're so grateful that we could hear words of wisdom. You gave us ears to hear. But there's a different way of hearing that you said often. You said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to really hear. And I know this room is filled with a lot of sincere hearers who want to do, who want to heed and do what you say. And thank you for the positive fruits, Lord. We can celebrate so many people have been touched by the word of God and their families, their businesses, their life, their marriage are reaping the fruits. And then there's, there's those that are in this room today and man, it's been tough. And the seeds that have gone out recently have produced a really prickly, difficult, weedy harvest. And so Lord, if that's the case, I pray that the weeds could be pulled out and a new harvest can be planted. Thank you that you give us so many wonderful chances to get this right. There are new seasons, new seasons to plow and to prepare soil and to get the right seed and try again. Thank you that you're that kind of God of grace, that you give us that opportunity. So I'm going to ask you to keep your head and heart bowed and just do a little bit of Uh, contemplation, a little bit of meditation on God's word. Just let him speak to your heart about what you've heard, how he might have you respond. And Lord, as people are thinking about how they're going to respond to your word and meditating on your word, I just pray that you'd speak and speak life, speak encouragement. Maybe there's a challenge. Maybe there's an exhortation. And with your head and heart bowed, if you've not met Jesus yet, 
If you don't know this king of peace, the king of wisdom, if you haven't met him, the first thing that you need to do is trust him. Trust him for your salvation. Believe in his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Ask him into your life. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Maybe you need to rededicate right now. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Pray it if it's you. I believe you came into this world. You died on that cross for me because you loved me. You rose from the dead to defeat death. You nailed my sins to that cross. And that's why I can live. I trust you as my Lord, my Savior, my King, my friend. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for this precious congregation, may you just bless them, keep them. May your beautiful face shine upon them. May you give them wisdom for the week ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people say Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.